This is Freedom Investor Radio, and I'm John Pearl. It hit me like a freight train when I realized there was a better way. When I discovered that I could take my future into my own hands. When I realized I could invest my way to freedom. This is what I'm working towards. In each episode of Freedom Investor Radio, we will explore the tactics and strategies used by the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. We will learn how you can start investing your way to freedom and take control of your life. Thanks so much for tuning in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Investor Radio. I'm your host, John Pearl. And today I'm joined by Brian Armstrong, who is the founder and managing partner at Progress Capital Group. Brian, welcome to the show today. Thanks, John. I'm yeah, glad to so be here. I'm excited to have you on and let's jump right into it. So I'd like to start, I'd like to get a little bit of a background about who you are from your earlier days and the type of upbringing you had. I think it's very interesting to hear whether you were raised in an entrepreneurial family or the typical W-2 worker. I'd say typical because that's what I grew up in is that parents were W-2 workers and yep. not a whole lot of discussion around investing or entrepreneurship or financial literacy. It was always go to college, work for somebody else, work till you're 65, 401k, go that route. So what were your earlier days like in your family environment in that regard? Yeah, mine was sounds just like yours. Dad was W-2 worker. Mom was fortunate enough to stay home when my brother and I were younger kids. Dad's job, he had to commute over an hour each way to the office. He was traveling a ton. He was in marketing. And so he was going to conferences all the time. The Some of the companies he was working for were based in Europe. So he was traveling to Europe on a regular basis. So just not around as much as I think he wanted to be. Put a lot of pressure on mom to have to run the family on her own kind of thing. And as we got older, then she was able to take a job just to help supplement some income and have a little something to do outside the house, but still W2 entrepreneurial type business adventures kind of thing. Go to college, get good grades, get a good job out of school, work until retirement, 401k, all that, all that kind of stuff you listed. That was the mentality. Got it. Now you're up in the Bay Area right now, California. Did you grow up there as well? I did not. I grew up outside of Boston, actually. Okay. Uh, just a little bit north of Boston itself. Got it. Okay. Covered the upbringing, uh, very similar to mine, as mentioned, and had a comfortable upbringing, no real financial struggles, but similar to you. Yeah. Dad was working all the time. Mom was with us a lot. And that was one of the things that shaped my outlook on money and lifestyle and wanting to be around the family more. But back to your story. So you, I'm assuming, went to college and then you're an engineer now. So tell us a little bit about that and how real estate came into the picture. Sure. Yes. Went to college, graduated high school out in the Boston area, came out to California for college because Dad's job moved the family out to California. Company got acquired. They closed the office outside of Boston. They transferred him to San Jose, hence how we ended up in the Bay Area. So I went to college out here and then ended up just kind of staying in the Bay Area ever since then. Got a degree in civil engineering, work as a structural engineer. Been doing that for a while. Uh, it's interesting work, very important stuff in all areas of the world. 
to have proper structural engineering. Certainly in California, where we have the earthquake issues, it's pretty critical to have the quality structural engineering, putting the buildings together, making sure everything's connected properly and will stand up and stand the earthquakes when they happen. Haven't had a big one here in a long time, but it will happen someday. Um, yeah, that's been path to where we are here. And then my interest in real estate, we talked about it in the family. I think dad always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial thought related to real estate, but I think the W2 always just kept getting in the way. Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad years ago, that kind of had that little bit of mindset shift. And then just kept studying real estate, looking at other investing options, but real estate always just had the most appeal. The stock market to me is so hard to understand why things do what they do. I think if you have an interest in it and you have a lot of time to spend on it, it's something that can make sense for a lot of people, but it just, I wasn't one of those people. There's so many whimsical changes as to why things happen in the stock market. It just didn't make sense to me. Real estate, and I think my interest in engineering and structural engineering, buildings, and all kind of dovetails with real estate. Buildings make sense to me. People need a place to live. People need a quality place to live near their jobs that they can afford, but they can be excited about. All that stuff, it feels so much more tangible. And I think being an engineer, I'm all about tangible. Totally. I know you're a multifamily guy now. Did you jump right into multifamily or was it a progressive single family, small multifamily? What was that process yeah. like? Yeah. So my wife and I, we've actually done a few of our, we've flipped a few of our own houses that we've lived in. Um, so we buy things that are a little bit beat up for whatever reason, do some renovations on it as we live here and then move on to something else, take a little bit of profits in the process. So that kind of started it. But as time goes on, that kind of wears you out a little bit. As the kids get older, they have less tolerance for us doing that. Definitely don't want to move out of the area. Uh, so that route just didn't seem sustainable for the long term, honestly. And so from that point, multifamily just made more sense to me because it seemed more scalable and like it had more opportunity to scale more quickly than a single family scenario. So yeah, that's where the transition happened. Got it. Now, do you invest? I don't know. I know a lot of people do invest in the Bay Area. There's plenty of money to be made there. But when I first started out, I was looking all over California and the business model that I was going after didn't make sense in any of the local coastal markets out here. So where are you investing and why are you investing there? I don't invest in California. With the laws here are very unfavorable for landlords and the finances don't really seem to work all that well for cash flowing properties. My focus is really Texas, the Southeast, in the North and South Carolina, a little bit of Northern Florida. And then I'm a big fan of the Kansas City and Des Moines, Iowa markets. Those are less flashy, I think, than the Texas and the Southeast markets, but offer some great cash flow opportunities and very stable, very steady markets there in the Midwest. Those so are- a lot of people, they get intimidated thinking about investing somewhere outside of their home market. What yeah. are some ways that you've been able to make that work? So the key with that, I think, is to find people who know the local market. So in all of those places, I've connected with folks who are in those markets or have a person on their team in those markets. And so I think that's really been the key because then 
they really understand the market locally. They understand the nuances of the good areas and the not as good areas, where the path of growth is, where the jobs are coming, where the businesses are moving into. And I think that really is the key to success is having people that really know the local area. And then you can have team members elsewhere throughout the U.S. that are helping to support that that local situation. But yeah, that local presence is key, I think. Yeah, it's absolutely a team sport and partnering up with local boots on the ground is extremely key. What's your superpower in the multifamily space? What do you consider yourself to be best at? I think my take would be that the engineering background, certainly I can understand buildings and renovations. I can understand what it takes to put a project schedule together. Construction isn't intimidating. And most rehabs on an apartment building are interior work without any real heavy structural lift. That kind of stuff is relatively straightforward. I would say along with that, I think understanding financials, understanding the analysis and the spreadsheets and what different metrics mean and how to change those on the numbers side of things is fairly straightforward for me coming from the engineering background. The math is not anything too challenging. Yeah. Now you mentioned you're an engineer. I know a lot of other very successful real estate investors that have engineer backgrounds when they're full-time engineer or when they're full-time real estate investors, they often call themselves recovering engineers. And (laughs) so why do you think that is? Why do so many engineers make great real estate investors? What is it about engineers that transfers over to real estate investing so well? I think there's an analytical aspect to real estate investing that that really plays well in conjunction with engineers. And yeah, and really, I would even say that kind of the larger architect engineering contracting community, the AEC industry, I think as engineers, we're obviously very analytical people. And there is interpretation within engineering and interpretation within what the code says and that kind of thing. And so we're constantly sort of analyzing and interpreting what things mean. But I think real estate investing is really a lot like that. You can't get caught up in falling in love with a deal just because you need to buy something or because, gosh, it just looks awesome from the outside. That's the kind of stuff that can get you in trouble real quick. It's understanding the analysis and the fundamentals behind it that make a deal work. And I think that plays well with engineering because it's really an analytical decision of whether or not a deal makes sense and can it go forward. Do you think with the analytical background and the natural tendency to be more analytical, do you think there is a tendency to overanalyze at times or how do you balance that out? Because I know a lot of people get stuck in analysis paralysis. And when you mention being analytical, I can imagine that might be a problem for some at some point. I think it is as folks are newer to the whole experience. And I think for a lot of LP investors, limited partners investing money in a deal, I think that can really be a hurdle for a lot of people in the beginning. That like the thought process of overanalyzing what could go wrong, what am I not thinking of, what disaster could be lurking around the corner. I think that really can hold people back in the beginning. I think it becomes less so as time goes on and that comfort level is developed, maybe as you have an investment or two under your belt. But Definitely, I think there is a greater opportunity for analysis paralysis. Yeah, totally. I know, as you mentioned, I started off 
as a passive investor before getting on the active side as a general partner. And there was definitely some analysis paralysis. Also, because you, no matter how much you trust somebody, you're still wiring a significant sum of money to entrusting somebody else with it. It's the similar concept when you're putting your money into the stock market, except with Mm -hmm. this, what I came to realize is that you actually can meet the person and develop a relationship and, for the most part, as far as I know, that's not common in the traditional stock market space, which right. brings me to my next point, which is regarding traditional investments, specifically for folks in the W-2 space, think 401ks or just dollar cost averaging into the stock market. What is it specifically about real estate? Maybe you're having a conversation with a coworker about why you do what you do. What are you telling somebody who's a little skeptical about investing in real estate and they're comfortable keeping their money in the stock market? What is it, in your opinion, that you like about it versus the stock market or traditional investments? Yeah, for me, it's really a diversity play in my mind. I think the stock market has its place and there is still a value to the stock market. And I don't ever tell anybody that they should get all their money out of the stock market because I don't have all my money out of the stock market. I think that's silly. If you look at what happened between whatever it was, 2010 and 2021, if you weren't invested at all in the stock market, you were missing out. There was a, definitely a run-up in that time frame. Now, over the past 18 months, yeah, the story is a little bit different. Everything that goes up has to come down a little bit at some point. There are these fluctuations. But to me, if you had everything in the stock market over the last 18 months, everything is down. There's nothing that's Unless you happen to pick one or two maybe winners or something, like in general, you're down. If you had some of that spread out into real estate, commercial real estate is still doing quite well. Multifamily real estate is doing quite well, despite the fact that interest rates are rising and rents aren't through the roof like they were during COVID times. The whole sector is still holding up quite well. So there's a little bit of hedging or diversity, whatever you want to call it to have some of that money invested in a different asset class from just being in stocks and bonds and mutual funds. I kind of chuckle sometimes when people say that they're diversified because they're invested in a mutual fund. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess you didn't put all your money into one stock, but it's all still in stocks. So you're not really as diversified as you might think, even though that's what the narrative is from all the brokerage houses, because they want you to stay in stocks. That's how they make their money. To me, it's all about having some different opportunities and some different investment diversity. And there's ways other than real estate as well, but I just tend to prefer real estate. Totally. So 2023, there's some interesting things happening in the financial space right now. Is 2023 a great year to invest in real estate or a terrible year? What do you think? I think any year can be a great year to invest in real estate if you're investing in a a good deal, honestly. And there are still good deals out there. There was a deal that some partners of mine that I've worked with in the past just closed recently in Kansas City that they closed two months ago. And they're going to do great because the deal, they got it for a price that made sense. They can do some renovations on it and they can increase the rents to match what else is happening in the market. They're not projecting rents that are through the roof. They're projecting rents that are matching the market. And the financials are going to work out great. So yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I understand that 
certainly there's some scariness in the news these days and the news loves to be as scary as they can be but there's always opportunities out there and i think some of the stuff that people will find over the next 12 to 18 months can really be some big winners as those deals come to maturity in three to five years out from now when things are probably turned around by then a little bit so yeah great point i mean there's we're starting to see folks that got into deals late 2021 right before the interest rates were starting to hike when if you didn't get the right kind of debt we're starting to see some of those problems some of those fire sales happening right now i think it was warren buffett that said when the tide goes out you see who's swimming with their pants down and i'm having some personal experiences right now with some deals that i'm in where maybe the lead gps weren't uh, positioned as well as it may have seemed when got into the deal or maybe the property management company, they've been riding the wave of the past decade where everything was going well. They never had to deal with any turmoil. And now with the market shifting, kind of seeing some of those weaker players expose themselves. So what that means, though, is there are going to be good deals, as you mentioned, coming onto the market. Those people that were struggling for the past year, past few months, they're having to sell those properties and having to sell them at a good price. And those people who are positioned well are going to be there to snatch them up. That's why I love the syndication space because you can partner with folks who are positioned well to make the most of these opportunities and get the good deals when they come about or get the good opportunities when they come about. So I love this space for that reason, for the ability to participate in deals that experienced players are putting together. Yeah, because you can't really... You can't undervalue that experience or you can't really replicate that experience without having experience, right? And so that experience carries a lot of weight, especially in a market that's in a downtrending cycle. And even if the market is not skyrocketing upwards, but not trending downwards, how you operate the property is going to be critical for the foreseeable future, the next few years. And those who can operate better are going to be the big winners. And those who don't have the experience on the operations side are going to, yeah, they'll probably do okay, but they won't be as big a winners. And being able to partner with some of those folks who really have that experience on how to operate the deal, how to do the turnaround successfully, and how to market it on the back end once they've done the turnaround to draw in new renters, that's really a critical piece to where things are in the market these days. Yeah, absolutely. So Brian, I know you're a family man. I'm a family man as well. And it can be difficult to balance. We're both in the W-2 space still. We're both creating our real estate empires on the side. And we we have families that we're doing this for, essentially. But there's times when it's difficult to balance everything, where maybe you feel like you should be spending time with the family, but you're having to be involved in a call for a real estate deal that you're potentially going to take down and it can feel it can feel weird when you're doing it all for your family but it's taking you away from your family at times how do you balance this all i love talking to other folks who are parents and doing this as a side hustle and i love getting perspective so what are some tips that you have or some strategies that you're utilizing good question it can be tough it can be challenging i think i try my best to just limit those conflicts my kids are in a lot of activities. My 
son plays a lot of sports and my daughter does high level gymnastics and stuff. So if I do have to do those kind of calls, I try to schedule those things when I know they're already going to be in other activities or maybe they're at school during a time where there's a call like that. So it's not something that cuts into the family time so much. Sometimes you just, you got to take 20 or 30 minutes or something if you need to, and just take a call on occasion. But we do our best just to try to limit that time frame. And then the weekends, if there's something I have to do on the weekends, I try to do it either before they're awake or after they're asleep, not try to cut in too much to weekend family time. So it's, just, it's kind of fitting in little blocks and here and there around their schedule as much as possible. Totally love it. What do you think is one thing you've done well or some things that you've done well in your real estate investing career? And what do you think are some things that you could have done better that someone who's just getting started on their journey would benefit from? Things that I've done well, I think I've put a bigger focus on networking over the past year and a half, two years. I think COVID really sort of forced that issue. Networking outside of just my local area, using social media and just posting and sharing and commenting on people's information that they put out. I think that's been a tremendous help. I think it, to me, I have the opinion that you can never undervalue the power of networking. Something I would have done better is have started sooner. Honestly, it's one of those things where you let other things get in the way. Life is busy for everybody. And obviously you got priorities. Everybody's got priorities of what is the most important at that time. Starting sooner would have been one of those things I would have focused on. Yeah. I hear that one a lot. Yeah. What's the phrase? The best time to buy real estate was yesterday, the next best time, or 10 years ago, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And then the yeah. next best time is today. today. Buy yeah. real estate and wait. All those. Yep. Don't wait to buy real estate. Yeah. 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 That's right. Uh, cool. All right, Brian. Well, uh, let's get into the question that I ask all of my guests. So as a refresher, I work at Diablo Canyon Nuclear Power Plant that is it was set to shut down in 2025. They recently extended to 2030, and we'll see if they actually shut down then. But when the announcement was made to shut down, I made it my mission to replace my income from the power plant with income from real estate investing. So what is one piece of advice you would offer to folks who are in a similar position that want to exit the W-2 space and create a lifestyle of freedom and control via real estate investing or entrepreneurship? I think my advice would be to find what you're most interested in, which like I said, for me, it became multifamily. And then to develop a plan to figure out how to commit to doing things that helps work towards that direction. And what I mean by that, and it sounds really, maybe sounds like a lame non-answer, but what I mean is you got to be consistent with anything if you want to see results. And I think at some point, the plan changes as time goes on. And as you learn things and as you do things you like and do things you don't like and find your groove, but being consistent with something for a length of time and seeing how that, how those results go, is it something you like? And then tweaking from there, being willing to adjust the plan as you go through it is really the key to me because it's so easy to start something and try it for even a few months. Uh, and if you don't see any results, just give up on it because you're like, oh, this isn't working. Forget it. But maybe you just haven't had enough time letting it simmer to see the results from it. Or maybe you need to make some small tweak on it just to start seeing more of those results. So it's that process I find is what I've had to stick with. And 
and what I've found to be successful. So absolutely. Yes, I can definitely relate to that statement. It does not happen quick. You gotta stick with it and just keep going. It's not gonna happen quick for sure. Like the podcast. You probably didn't have a million downloads after your first one. Exactly. Exactly. Just stick with it. That's right. All right, Brian, where can people go if they want to connect or reach out and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, let's see. The best way to connect would be LinkedIn. I'm Brian Armstrong, comma, SE for structural engineer. There's a lot of Brian Armstrongs on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Brian Armstrong SE. They can look there. I have a website. It's progresscapitalgroup.com. And I do have an ebook where I list my seven reasons why you should invest in multifamily real estate in addition to the stock market kind of like we touched on earlier. Uh, That's at progresscapitalgroup.com slash seven reasons. Those are the best ways to get in touch with me. I'm happy to answer any questions anybody has on real estate. And yeah, love to talk about real estate. Awesome. All right, Brian, had a lot of fun chatting with you. It's a valuable conversation. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, John. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to Freedom Investor Radio. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend.